Managing Cutoff. I am Anthony Colangelo. I am back home once again after my trip to Colorado Springs last week for Space Symposium. An awesome time. Did a ton of live shows that you'll be hearing in the feed soon. I'll talk about that in a second. Met a bunch of great people, a lot of good connections, uh, many of which were lining up to get on the show here or over on the other show that I do, Off Nominal. If you don't listen to Off Nominal, uh, we'll talk about it today because my co-host Jake Robbins is here with me now. But it's a really fun show. Uh, we have interesting guests. We have a great time with them. We make jokes. We talk about space flight stuff. Sometimes we get into serious conversations, but a lot of times we're having a good time talking about space. Um, so you'll be hearing the people that I met at Space Symposium on both shows over the coming months. An amazing time just getting to meet a bunch of people that I either know online or follow in the industry. Um, met a lot of people that listen out there. So if you're one of the people that I got to talk to, it was a pleasure meeting you. It was It's always cool to go to those events and find out who's listening a lot of times. You know, there's some people that definitely came up to me and said that they listened and, and I would have no way of getting in touch with them because of the nature of their job or, or the kinds of agencies or organizations they work with uh, that we just wouldn't run into each other. So uh, awesome time to get to a chance to uh, put a lot of faces to the names that I see online or, or the messages that we sent back and forth. So super thankful uh, to be out there and had a great time with the Redwire crew as well, hosting me at their stage, at their booth. Um, so as far as the shows, uh, they all were streamed live on the Redwire YouTube channel, so I will put a link in the show notes. You can go there and watch all of the shows if you want, but they will also be coming straight into your podcast feed over the next week or so. I will put those five episodes of Miko that I did live, I'll put those out, um, so you'll get to hear that all right here in the podcast feed as well. But before I got into all of those shows, what I wanted to do was talk about the Starship test flight that happened last week as well. Um, thought it was it was right to uh, jump in and give some thoughts on the situation. So I'm doing that with none other than Jake Robbins, my co-host of Off Nominal. Uh, he used to do the We Martians podcast, and you've heard him on the show before. So uh, he and I caught up and uh, shared a bunch of thoughts about the Starship test flight. So without further ado, let's dive in. I have no agenda for this. And I have not prepared my thoughts in any way. Nor have I. So this is exactly, we're already rolling. This is part of the show. Uh, we started talking about Starship during our weekly catch up and we haven't talked in like a month. Yeah. So, and then we started getting into content and I said, hold on, I was going to do a show about this today and this would be better if we do this live. So <laughs> let's see, we've got, we've got a little under 30 minutes uh, to unpack what the hell happened with Starship. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Would you like to start having been on a boat at sea the day that this flew? Yeah, I had... and I should note for the record, I was in a rental car driving to the Denver airport after a <laughs> flight cancellation out of Colorado Springs. We both were in ideal circumstances for this test flight. Yeah, I had what I what I'm basically surmising has been the absolutely worst timed vacation I have ever taken in my life. Um, <laughs> it, it, just all the things that I did not want to miss happened exactly during my uh, vacation, including all the the stuff you did at Space Symposium. So, um, yeah, I'm still struggling with with my disappointment on that. But <laughs> your FOMO uh, but, was really yeah, my strong. FOMO yeah. was very strong, very strong. Uh, yeah. So I I don't know, man. I I have been like just teetering back and forth on this. Like I just there are parts about this Starship flight which are great, and there are parts about it that are just like so disappointing to me. And I I don't know what the net the net results of those feelings are. I don't know where I come at the end of that. I'm just like turbulating. Is that a word? Turbulating? I have no idea what that and means I'm, if that is I, a word. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing turbulence in my thoughts. And uh, yeah, so this is good. I'm glad that we can, we can talk about this, even though we have not prepared anything at all for this. 
Um, was it was it SN10 Starship SN10 that landed and then blew up and we got yeah, to debate for that's the one yeah yeah years if it landed or not. Well, yeah, that we has now been supplanted it. by. Did this test flight put them back more than they would have been back if they did not fly this for like two months or three months or whatever? Because uh, that's really, I saw you talking in the Discord, the off nominal Discord, uh, which if you're not aware, offnom.com slash Discord, you should get in there. Or mm-hmm. you can get there via the Miko Patreon, but that's going away soon, so don't worry about it too much. Because um, that's been your kind of thing of like, did they know that there was going to be a result like this and could this have been averted to put them further ahead schedule wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, I guess we did skip over everything that happened uh, for people that <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it broke out into the mainstream press. So this, you probably understand what happened. And if you yeah, I'm going to go on in a limb and assume that Miko listeners had watched the Starship. Yeah. Li- yeah. <laughs> I think so. Cause given the fact that I was at a wedding this weekend and uh, multiple people came up and were like, all right, what happened? And they're like, not space people <laughs> yeah, at all. And they yeah, were like, yeah. I needed your take on this. So, yeah. My, my uncles were tweeting me. So, you know, it's, yeah, it, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So everyone's good. We're all caught up. Um, but that's that's your primary holdup of like, was it foreseeable that they would have put themselves back a certain distance to then rework up to the point at which they could do another launch rather than yeah. having fixed a couple things that were known to be janky? Is that your holdup? Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so they like leveled the launch pad, right? And then that's kind of like the big, well, I mean, there's more to that, but but I think there's, there's still this sort of like sentiment with the Starship program, like it's... Oh, like SpaceX is some flashy new startup that's doing things differently and they blow stuff up and and they do all this stuff. And like that was obviously the way like, you know, we watched Falcon landings come to be like that's definitely or, you know, even going back to the initial Falcon stuff and even even the start of the Starship program was pretty scrappy. But I think we're not I don't think we're there anymore. I don't know. I don't think we should be treating SpaceX like it's some like brand new thing that's like trying to get to the next funding round. And they're just like, we got to We got to fly something like, you know, we're, we're, we're think about all the histories of these other rocket startups and Astra and, and ABL and Firefly doing all these like kind of weird stuff in their first launches. I don't, I don't think we should think of SpaceX in that category. And that's where I'm kind of struggling, right? Because like when you, when you want to fly something to get the data, I, I definitely like understand that mentality. And I think that's the correct mentality. Like I'm, I'm all on board the SpaceX idea of like, you know, fail fast and, and fly the thing. But this should be, that should be like a, a strategy that you take to reveal a bunch of unknowns. Cause like, that's, that's the whole point of it, right? You fly the thing and you find out what you weren't thinking of. That's, that was, that, that in my brain is the whole benefit to the strategy and why it's worked so well for SpaceX. But I don't think they had a bunch of like mysterious things that didn't work with this rock. Like, I think they all knew like the launch pad won't work. Uh, the engines are a little flaky. They, like, there was all these different things that they probably knew about and could have just The booster itself was known, known janky booster. Yeah. Like, yeah. so, so like the thing took off and like just stuff was exploding. There's pieces <laughs> flying off. It's doing backflips. The launch pad is destroyed. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just like, I'm just sort of surprised by this because I feel like they could have just done a little more work. Like it's not, it's not striving for perfection. It's just like getting the thing to work. And I, I, no one can tell me that SpaceX is not a competent engineering firm that didn't know about these things and couldn't solve them in a pretty quick time frame. So like, this is where I'm struggling with it, right? Yeah. That's kind of where, where I ended up landing on it. And so, yeah. And how much is this going to set them back now? Everyone's like, Oh, they'll just fix the launch pad in six weeks. They'll be back. I'm like, no, that's not the way it's going to be. <laughs> and 
So that's my big question. I don't know where you land on that, but. Uh, this went way worse than I thought it was going to go. Uh, <laughs> I knew something would go wrong. I didn't expect everything to go wrong the entire time. Like it was yeah. absolutely chaotically wrong at every moment and yeah. in a somewhat hilarious fashion. Like, honestly, this is the most comedic four minutes of rocket flight I have ever watched <laughs> in my life. <laughs> like from the start, we knew it was going to be a long hold down time, right? That there was going to be six seconds or whatever where the yeah. rocket was held down. Immediately, the graphic was like, engines are out already. And it's like, all right. And then we're going. Oh, we're going. All right. Then it was doing a little bit of the Astro Power slide. Okay, that's not great. This is clearly a low thrust to weight ratio at the moment. Yeah. Not good. And then you start to see the debris hitting. And this is, we didn't see this on the live stream, but we did see later on, shortly after it cleared the tower, uh, the concrete propelled into the ocean, into the flats around it. Uh, so you've got what clearly was a, a launch pad explosion. Yep. Then the hydraulic power units start blowing up on the sides of the vehicle. <laughs> They're losing engines. At no point in this flight was I ever thinking anything close to, wow, this is going great. Like, yeah. I never <laughs> felt good about this flight at any moment, right? It was going. And I think even on, on the broadcast, uh, Innsbrucker was like, he switched from things are going nominal to it's flying was a statement that he had <laughs> during it which it is like a trajectory it's, it's going up was like the thing that you could say um so it was not anywhere close to good uh yeah. in terms of like how did this perform and the, the after effects right talking to i've talked to a bunch of the people that we know that work at spacex either at at boca or elsewhere and the damage to the launch site is way more than was expected and and just to start there, the the like ground laying the groundwork behind this test flight was Elon Musk and SpaceX generally that like we need to clear the tower, everything else is great. Like yeah. as long as we clear the tower and don't completely level the build site or the launch site, everything's cool. Like and I guess the only thing I can assume is like they were worried about having to rebuild the actual tower structure yeah. and, and refit that because that would be a significant amount of work. So yeah. that has been spared, but everything else is almost total loss or, or yeah, needs that's complete the, that's, rework. So that's the thing that there's a lot of like really like trying to like wash over that. Like, oh, that the launch, like it, it didn't blow the tower up, but like the launch pad, the ground below it, the, the, the mount, the tank farm, all that stuff's been damaged or destroyed. And I was like, okay, well that, that doesn't seem like it's meet, met the core minimum requirement that everybody was talking about. Exactly. So <laughs> this is, you're in my process of working through this. Cause then I'm like, okay, yeah. well let's look at all that stuff. And in many of those cases, like they built those vertical tanks that they ended up not being able to store methane in because they like, I don't know, there was speculation about them not meeting the requirements or the regulations around methane storage. So they had yeah, to store I methane in those too. horizontal yeah. tanks. So Clearly, that plan didn't quite work out as initially envisioned. The launch pad itself, the concrete that they blew up effectively at ignition, um, I've talked to a couple people that told me, and I think Eric Berger's been tweeting this, that, that he's heard it as well, that there was an old design for a flame diverter. It didn't work, so they didn't install it. There is a new design for the flame diverter. Whoever's running that is a very competent individual. There will be a new one ready. I've heard there's some testing that's going to go on of it pretty soon as well. So... Like, that's going in the right direction. There's the 4D chess of, like, did they need to do some excavation work around the launch pad anyway, so blowing it up wasn't the worst. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, that it sounds might, like... Uh, <laughs> it might be a nice to have, but, like, that definitely was not the intended result of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. So, overall, like, 
I don't know. None of this stuff, though, seems to be the item that is going to take the longest of this flight campaign. And this is where I start to turn the corner. Like, <laughs> they yep. build a launch site down there faster than anyone could ever have imagined yep. building a launch site in that environment, right? Between everything, between the environmental reviews and the existing people that live there and having to actually do, like, repair of the ground to make this stuff possible, they built out all of that way quicker. So rebuilding it is not a thing that I'm worried about uh, in terms of the timeline. So, like, why not fly something? Because mm -hmm. some of that stuff might have gone fine. They might have found out that some of those assumptions were actually fine, and yeah. it will save them two months when they build out the Kennedy Space Center site for launching Starship. That was a, a risk worth taking because you had a vehicle that needed to fly at some point. There is some pressure, I'm sure, to once they got that FAA clearance to fly, to fly since they've been calling their shot for so long that the paperwork <laughs> yeah. is going to hold them up. That is a legitimate thing that they want to show. Like, we yeah. are ready to fly as soon as we can. And you can debate the theory behind that, but like, I don't know. That's not, it's not for a company like SpaceX that positions themselves like they do. It's not not valuable to do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And I guess some of their things that they had decided were confirmed to be good ideas, like moving away from hydraulics for the engine control of the next flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that seems good. Having both of them have, having blown up on the way up. Yeah. So did they find stuff that they knew was wrong? Yeah. Did it confirm those ideas? Sure. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm less worried about it than I was after the initial five minutes I watched the the launch. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, worry about the future of SpaceX is, is where I'm at. Like, I'm not, you're right. They're just going to rebuild it. Like SpaceX, they're going to rebuild the launch pad. They're going to do it really fast. They're going to have a new rocket. Like, it's already like yeah. two or three lined up, ready to go. Like this, you know, there's not really like a concern that it won't move forward or that they didn't gain something from this. I just, I don't know. I just like, it just felt really sloppy. And I just like, yeah. I, I have But this is what about, Boca's for. Boca's meant to be sloppy. I They're guess, only ever going to fly guess, yeah. out a handful of times a year. Like they literally put in the paperwork, I have five flights a year for now. And maybe that'll go up in the future. But yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. their future is Kennedy Space Center. So it's true. If yeah. like, this is where the jank happens. You know, they should put that on the sign on the way in to Starbase. <laughs> this is where the jank happens. Yeah, yeah. the point is, yeah. do the janky stuff here, figure out the bad ideas here, build the right ones at Kennedy, and fly to the moon. That's, yeah, yeah. So I'm fine with it. Like, because the other aspect is everyone's like, oh, they have to rebuild the launch site. It's like, well, they don't have to tear down everything that's there now. They could just, like, add some tanks that also work. <laughs> and you don't have to, like, completely reset back to nothing built at Boca Chica and build a whole yeah. new set. You could just yeah. move some stuff out of the way. Who's going to get mad at them? Yeah, themselves, yeah, yeah. You know, they're the only ones there. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and maybe the, uh, the other thing I've been thinking about is the, every time they fly, you get sort of a, a, a level set on expectations and, and, you know, reality, like it's data for us, it's data, right? Like this flight is data as to the progress of the whole program. And you know, I think going into this flight, the common uh, uh, sort of, um, you know, observation of where Starship was was like really, really, really far ahead. It was like, they're ready to fly. Like this thing is going to go into space soon. And then we're off to the moon, like, you know, right away. And I think, you know, you and I, especially we talk about that. We know that that's really optimistic and we're, we're maybe six, 12 months behind that or something some number, I don't know. We're, you know, we're, we're behind that. We're like, no, it's not that far ahead. And I think once this flight happened, it it shot back 
past even what we were thinking. Like I think now, you know, <laughs> I think about this Artemis three landing now, or even the uncrewed landing. I'm like, there's not a chance in hell it's going to be even like two years late. It's going to be more than that. Like we're not yeah. talking. 2025 is not even like a fantasy anymore. It is just completely false. And we're looking at 26, 27, 28 to start seeing these landings happen. And I, maybe that's my disappointment is that like, wow, even my cynicism was too optimistic <laughs> as to where where this uh, schedule was. I know because, you know, they got to take six months to rebuild it cool and then they got to finally get go up and flight again like 2024 is realistically now when the starship will like be in orbit you know like when it's yeah, going right. to be like having a first second third flight to to figure stuff out so i mean wh- when's the lander coming like you know it's it's a ways out and i think that's kind of weird for me and that i feel like was uh, there was a statement about that, which was the existence of the Starlink V2 mini bus. Yeah, right? yeah. This, we should have taken that for a bigger sign than what it was. <laughs> I did. Like, clearly they weren't, they, they thought it was worth the engineering time to build a, yeah. like, somewhere halfway between V1 and V2 satellite that has <laughs> yeah, more capacity yeah. but fits on Falcon 9 because they're not going to be flying on Starship in the near future. And yeah. the other aspect to the, to all the most interesting Starship missions is that they require Starship flying so regularly that uh the pace is kind of unbelievable like it, it's gonna be for the architecture to to work out it needs to fly like more frequently than falcon 9 mm-hmm. which nothing else ever is gonna sniff at for the near future yeah. like yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. there's no rocket in works right now and starship is the only one with their sights set on it to even re- i guess electron like hypothetically could reach that cadence of of how frequently Falcon Nine flies, like once a mm-hmm. week, yeah, around once a week, Starship needs to fly more than that to fully fully fuel fuel depots and then transfer to lander, and then the lander's going to go to the moon. Like, there's so much involved in a Starship architecture for a sufficiently complex mission like that, mm-hmm. not just a one off to orbit or something. Um, yeah, and so and that not, frequency is a ways out, and not just that, but if if you have if you want an operational frequency of that much, like if you want starship to be at a point where it's launching every five days the amount of flights you have to have before that to like prove out the system to reach the like yeah like right. how long did it take the Falcon nine to get pretty long. every six days like it's been flying for 10 years now like how long has that taken right and right. so i'm assuming starship will go faster because it's spacex and now they have they, they know how to do it you know with falcon so like it's not going to take another 10 years to get this thing humming but like it's not going to be one year (laughs) and so and so i don't know i that's maybe a little little interesting for me is that like this really highlighted that like the artemis schedule is definitely going to be changing significantly compared to what we think of now like you know what nasa is publicly saying like it's i'm not past artemis 2 everything is made up to me now like completely made up yeah. It was like only like 70% made up before. Now it's 100% made up. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing though is that um, like I don't want to just set the goalposts for the full and rapid reusability line that, that Starship is set at where like that is where SpaceX is heading and that is the ultimate goal with Starship. But a bunch of the cool effects of Starship happen way before that. Once they're reliably getting to orbit, even if they're still working out re-entry and reusability, and if they're flying a new starship every time, like, yeah, just being an orbital rocket is a huge impact to the industry. Mm-hmm. From yeah, yeah. the contracts that they'll win to the effects it has in a commercial market, 
And there's a huge gap between that of like being a viable satellite launcher to being this super reusable thing with fuel depots that's landing on the moon. There's a there's a big gap there, yeah. but it's yeah. not like it's not useful until it gets to the end of that gap. Correct. You know, yeah. there's still a huge I mean, even even when they do initial moon landings will be this uncrewed version. And we've heard heard of some missions that have like Astrolab I was talking about uh, on the shows at Space Symposium that people will hear soon. Like they've booked, you know, the flights to the moon, this uncrewed moon lander. When they're working that process out, even if some of those work and there's a huge amount of cargo <laughs> delivered to the moon, even if they haven't gotten to the fully re- rapidly reusable thing yet, it's still we're in a great spot overall. So yeah. I don't want to like hinge all the optimism on we have to wait until they are flying every three days because the time before them is going to be similarly paradigm shifting even if they're heading generally in that direction yeah yeah that's fair that's fair um i think i I guess maybe my big excitement with starship is obviously you know stuff past leo right like i i don't really like okay starlink it's great you know it's great for i don't you know and i use it i'm a customer yeah you're literally paying for it so (laughs) i'm that's great i mean that's just that's just like boring business stuff to me though like what starship can do at the moon and mars and all the other interesting new missions that's where i'm really excited about and that that's further towards the rapid reusability than it is to the first orbital flight right Mm -hmm. you know on that spectrum it's a lot further down the road and so maybe that's why I'm I'm sad, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, it's tough, man. Like that's where we're at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was annoying to watch this catch a certain amount of steam in media of like, oh, rocket rocket blows up. Like, let me write a long thing about how everyone's been duped by this. Yeah, vehicle. Like there was a lot of that going around. I didn't. I didn't read almost any of the coverage. To be yeah, honest. I was like, there's not going to be. I, I didn't want to. <laughs> there was too much work to do that. I was like, I'm gonna have to read like a hundred articles to find the one that's good. And I'm like, I'll probably just get ninety percent of the way there if I just watch the YouTube stream myself. <laughs> so I didn't bother. Yep. That's totally true. <laughs> I there was um a few things that I'm really bummed they didn't get to on this. Like I think, I think they should have their baseline should have been stage separation. Yeah. Yeah. Like if that, if that part hit, I would have been like full success, unqualified success. I don't care if it left the entire strip of beach, like, needing you know sand backfilling. (laughs) And that that sort of gets back to, to what I was thinking, right? It's like, did, could they have ultimately gone faster if they had waited a bit? Right. Because if you think about what unknown unknowns are out there, you can't test stage separation and vacuum ignition on the ground, like like zero G vacuum ignition on the ground. You can't like yeah. you have to do that in space. And so, yeah, that was absolutely like a thing that this flight would have would have been so much better if they had separated and lit the Starship engines and seen that thing fly in actual space, you know, um, but they didn't. So this, but this I just don't know how you realistically assess where you're at. Like, I, I don't think they were. They set the the stakes at we need to clear the launch tower. But I think if you talk to everyone that works on the program, there were varying confidence confidence levels that they would reach <laughs> yeah. stage separation. But I don't think it was like, who knows, we'll never make it, but maybe we will. It was like, oh, I think we'll make it. So yeah, yeah. If, if that's true, like, if they're at some, you can't. First of all, you can't calculate chances of something making it to stage separation until no. you've flown them a ton, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. not a thing you can. You can make up math. You can do Artemis math and make it up. 
but you can't realistically have that. So how are you to then say, well, we're at a 40% confidence level, but if we put one month of work in this particular subsystem, we will reach an 80% confidence level. You're still making it up. Yeah. So like (laughs) to me, this is where I've, I've like softened my initial harsh vibes on this. I was like, I don't know. They, they had a shot at getting to that point. If they weren't so low and slow, uh, because of all the engine failures that seemed to be because they knocked them all out with, with exploding concrete. Uh, yeah, yeah. I heard that concrete hit one of the grid fins on the booster. So like <laughs> this stuff is really whipping around. Um, if they weren't so low and slow, maybe that they would have gotten to the part of stage separation, but yeah. they had clearly lost control of the booster. You know, the, the, the thing that confused a lot of people was the callouts on the live stream that yeah. Innspark was like, they're going for the flip for stage separation. They had lost control of the booster. Both hydraulic <laughs> units have exploded at that point. He called Miko. They were, engines were still running. Like the whole thing was just out of control. I yeah. think they're, I don't know if there's like, I know there's a, a uh, investigation into the launch pad situation from the FAA side. Um, I'm curious if they were still, I guess they were still down the middle on their flight termination system, uh, lane that they didn't have to blow the vehicle up until it yeah. deviated from that. Um, having lost full control, that's a little weird, but stage separation, I would feel so much better about than where yeah, it ended, yeah, yeah. which was yeah. never having a chance to get to that. Yeah. Cause now the next one you're going in, you have a long list of things to see going well before you get to stage separation let alone testing out heat shields and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's hard. You know, we can't, we're all just playing armchair engineers here. So, like, I, I don't know what they were thinking. And, and I don't know where they were. The, the collective SpaceX feeling was like, where, wh- what is the success and how far should it go? And, and what, you know, what data we need. So, I should, I should caveat all my hot takes with that. Yeah. I, I have no idea, right? I'm just like some dude. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think, when I think about a lot, we've had a lot of first flights lately, right? We've had Terran one, we had ABL, we had uh, uh, I don't know, a bunch of other Firefly Alpha, ones. not too distant in the rearview mirror, not, right? Not year too and a half, distant, year, year and a half or so. And like this, this flight made it roughly the same distance as kind of like all those, like the median of, of where those yeah. things are. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, I, I think I would have expected SpaceX to be better because that there are, they are better, right? Like they're hundred percent. That's yeah. where I, I was taken aback. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get myself to the end <laughs> there too, but uh, that's where I, where I, uh, initially fell. So it's been, it's been weird. I know why this situation is bugging you, uh, because you were bought in on a thing that I don't remember if I stole this or made it up. People have told me both and I'm not sure which is true of way back in the day when I said, waste steel, not time. Yeah, and yeah. this is the first time that you have a situation where it's arguable of which one they've wasted more of in this <laughs> yeah, yeah. past week, right? <laughs> that's what that's what's bugging you. Uh, I am on the steel side that they wasted more steel than time this week, but it is an argument that we will for sure have over the next year. <laughs> it's like it's it's sixty forty or so. Like not, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a for <laughs> sure steel steel, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll be delighted if a, a year from now I'm proven completely wrong. Like that, that's going to be great. Same. Like, I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to be. I don't want to be anywhere close to right about this. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, it's it's well, just we, weird. people should so. know that we were. Uh, I'm pulling up in our pulling up our predictions here, Jake. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. From All Phenomenal that we did with Lauren Grush. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a funny take about that, too. I said August. Lauren said July. You said September. Yeah. So what's your take about this? <laughs> so I think this this highlights what I was saying, but where like the expectations got level set to even way past our cynicism. But I will I will defend myself in one way here is that while I did say September and that has been proven wrong, they launched much sooner than September. Um, <laughs> I think the core feeling behind my my prediction was that they won't be ready by September. And I don't think they were ready. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm going to stand behind <laughs> oh, my, my, my prediction. <laughs> no, unreal. This is an unreal development. <laughs> we just lost all your listeners. Oh. And uh, yeah, everyone is now no longer my friend. But that's yeah. <laughs> so your, your prediction was the I know it when I'll see it threshold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And oh. it's funny in our in our Discord, I think I marked down that it won't reach orbit by September. So I think I'm still standing That's on the, still uh, a legitimate yeah. prediction. <laughs> this other one you're not gonna win. But no, no, no. I won't. Um Jake, before you get out of here, uh, there's still some number of people that listen to me Ninja Cutoff that don't listen off nominal. And mm. that's honestly an outrage. And I'm personally Very offended by that. Very strange. So I would love you to give them the pitch on Off Nominal. Well, listen, if you want to hear me say really weird, bad, hot takes that are going to make you angry at me like I did just now, you should come listen to us on Off Nominal because we do that, but we add alcohol. So it's a little bit wilder sometimes. Uh, YouTube streamed every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we have lots of great guests, journalists experts uh we have lots of i mean the people we've had on off nominal still surprise me um, i'm always yep. a little bit shocked by who agrees to come hang out with us um you know we've had some really good stuff uh so you should check it out for sure i'll put some good episode links in the show notes for people that haven't listened yet but yeah, uh, yeah. offnom.com you gotta check mm-hmm. it out so yeah Thanks, Jake, for f- dealing with the surprise podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Did I, did I did I move you at all? Did you, did you move your needle on, on where you land on this? Uh, you, move, you move me a little bit. Okay, that's good. I didn't. I don't think I moved, but I feel more in touch with why I feel the way I feel. So <laughs> good, that's good. good. I talked it out at okay. least. <laughs> we, we lowered the error bars on your feelings. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were narrowing. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. See you All later. right, man. Cheers. Thanks again to Jake for coming on the show. And uh, as always, being my co-host on Off Nominal, you got to go check out the show if you have not yet. Uh, we've got some great ones coming up. We've got some great ones behind us on the schedule. And as I mentioned, uh, into the near future, you'll be hearing my shows live from Space Symposium, uh, the conversations that I had with uh, a really interesting set of guests over the course of five shows. So lots of Miko coming your way over the next chunk of time here. But before we get out of here today, I want to say thank you to all of you who made this kind of thing possible. Um, The trip that I took to Space Symposium is only possible because of everyone who supports Main Engine Cutoff over at mainenginecutoff.com slash support. There are 879 of you. It's an entirely listener-supported show, so if you like what I'm doing, if you like sending me to events like that, uh, you can be my boss over at mainenginecutoff.com slash support. And there are 36 executive producers of this episode of Main Engine Cutoff. Thanks to Tyler, Pat from KC, Brad, Theo and Violet, Matt, Fred, Rob, Simon, Don Aerospace, Small Spark Space Systems, Moritz, Donald, Frank, Tim Dodd, the Everyday Astronaut, Chris, Harrison, Chris, Joel, Jan, Russell, Pat, Benjamin, David, Lee, Bob, Eunice, Lars from Agile Space, Stealth Julian, Steve, the Astrogators at SEE, Warren, Ryan, and four anonymous executive producers. Thank you all so much for the support, as always. Like I said, I could not do these kind of things 
without the direct support that y'all provide me. So thanks again for uh, being there, for listening, for supporting. And uh, until next time, thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you soon. Thank you.